Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW, your hosts tonight. So glad that you have joined us on the show. Thank you guys for being part of our community. If you want to connect with us anytime on the show or the podcast, you can email us at hope at hopenet360.com or join us on Facebook and Twitter at our HopeNet360 pages. We would love to connect with you that way. Tonight, DW, Jeff, we're going to chat a little bit about this fleeting concept of happiness. This world, Dave, I don't know about you, but it seems like this world is always, we're always looking for something like happiness, something that's going to keep us happy or keep us content for a long time. And I can't tell you, it, it doesn't seem like today is necessarily the happiest place to everybody. Do you think it is? No. In fact, Jeff, if I came to you and said, what would make you happy today? What, what would make you happy today? Oh, what would make me happy today? Maybe a new set of golf clubs because I'm getting right. ready for Scramble for Hope this Friday. So that that would be awesome if someone just dropped off a new thing. Right-handed, of course, not left-handed. I, I couldn't use left-handed golf clubs. I've got some antique ones. So do I. Would that, would that, would that be new? I don't know if they're really <laughs> antique, but they're just not new. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I got mine from my dad who died over 20 years ago, and he and they were old when he had them. So I'm not I'm not even sure what these are. They're old Wilsons, you know, the old Wood Wilsons and stuff. I see these new drivers, man, they're huge. Oh, I know it. Here's the deal. If somebody handed you a brand new set of golf clubs, though, today, that would make your day. But how long would that last? Well, it would get me through Friday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then and, and, and after that, I remember I you know, I have a different philosophy than some people on cars. My wife and I really like to buy new cars and then we we use them for at least 10 years mm-hmm. or run them into the ground. And while we do that, we're saving for the next car. And uh, I remember I, I bought a, a, we just got a caravan and I bought it and was driving it home. You know, one of the weird thoughts that hit me on the way home is, you know, in 10 years, this is going to be a piece of junk. <laughs> yeah. And, and I thought, I was almost mad at myself for the moment. Because I'm thinking, you can't even enjoy this right now. <laughs> you can't enjoy it because it, you're thinking already about how fast it's going to decay how fast it's going to go away and how much money you put into it and how the money's never going to come back to you. I mean, that kind of thing. I have a good friend who just got a, not a new motorcycle necessarily, but he repainted it. He added a sidecar and stuff and he listens to the show. So he'll, he'll know right away, but he, he got done with it and he's like, I got to just put it, I got to kick it once. or I got to put a little ding in it myself just to make sure that I'm the one that's doing it and not something else or, you know, yeah. just that trying to keep it new and, and uh, enjoy it while it's still perfect. It's something like the old saying, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. When, when you don't have something and all of a sudden you're looking forward to getting it, you're really excited. I mean, you're going down there. It's, it's great. I was talking to somebody else who was going to buy a car. And, um, and they, had, they had a loaner right now because the car they wanted, the dealer didn't have. I mean, they had it, but I don't know what the deal was. But they had a loaner. And, and, but, of course, they loaned this person a car that was the next um, one up. And the person was talking to me saying, you know, this is a pretty nice car. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, brother, they could have given you a Rolls Royce, you know, and then you, you had been driving that thing going, I can't believe I bought this other thing, you know. And in the process, though, this person then said, you know, uh, if I wait another two months, there's going to be a new model out. And I wonder, and I'm looking at this, uh, don't do that, I said. Just don't do that. I mean, we will be chasing that one forever, we have a way of looking at what's out there and never being satisfied with what we have because something new is coming. Now, my my wife is going to get a smartphone, and my daughter is going to get a smartphone. We haven't had them. Um, I've had one, but they haven't. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is my daughter's already saying, yeah, but they're coming out with the iPhone 6 in the fall. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, there is a game out here. Yeah. You know, we, we, we cannot be okay, it seems, with what we have. Mm-hmm. We can't. It's it's like it's robbed. It's it, the, the moment 
in our life right now. It's it the joy is robbed away from us somehow because for some reason there's something out there that we don't have that's better than what we do have. And we keep focusing on what we don't have. So what we do have becomes more of a burden than a joy. Does that make sense or am I going in circles? Oh, no, that that totally makes sense. We all search for happiness. And I kind of wonder if you're the same way, Davis. I was growing up and as a kid, you never feel you never really think you're going to become an adult. Like there's there's points in your life. And we've talked about this before where the next season. Yeah, the next season you get to in life, you've never been there before. So you're not exactly sure what to expect. And so growing up as a teenager, I just remember 12, 13 years old. It was like an eternity until I was going to be able to drive. I thought you know God would return before I'd become an adult so I could just continue to be a kid. And the other part of it I always thought too is that as technology improved, as you know policies were made or as laws were passed, eventually we'd get past all the evil that happens in the world and eventually we'd get to a happier world where people are just more content. We have more you know we have more technology at our fingertips, you have more to go around so people you know, we'll just have more stuff, and that way it'll just keep them happier for longer times, and we'll get rid of the the evil things. I think that's kind of one of the maybe the reason that we've invented all these different things in our world is so we try to create a happier world. But I still don't see a world out there that is happy or that is content. And I, yeah. I continue to see envy, and I continue to see jealousy rise up, and I continue to see people who um, maybe get into relationships or they get married, and then you know a year or two later they're on the road to divorce. And so there's like a lack of happiness, and it, I don't, I just don't see the world becoming a happier place, even though we have much more technology, we have much more at our fingertips. Dave, what are we missing here? Yeah, you know what's interesting? There, there's a lot of what you just said. One of the interesting things is we live in America in a society that has thrived on advertising in television and media and and advertising their button that they push is you are needy you do not have this you need this to be okay and we hear that message over and over and over and over and over again Mm. and the more that we hear it the more that we start believing that it's very interesting if i wrote a book that's really it's more of a guided devotional and anybody who emails us you know this week i'll send one for free but Mm -hmm. it's called beyond the expectation and, and beyond the expectation, very simple. You and I have these expectations in life. You know, if you've never been married, and, and you know, I've, I've talked to more young ladies, and, and, you know, what do you want to do? Oh, I'd love to get married someday and have a family. Okay. And, and so they're on their way. You know, they've met a guy. They want to get married. Here's the expectation. You know, I'm going to get married. We're going to live in a, a beautiful big house. And we're going to have a dog. My husband's going to come home after work and sweep me off my feet. And we're going to have a, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and they get married. And they find that they have to rent this this smelly place with, with mold in it. And it happens to be above their, their in-laws. And, and they can't have a dog. And her, her husband works in a, you know, in a place where comes home really smelly and doesn't want to sweep her off her feet at night. And, and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, this reality smacks them in the face. You know, the, the truth of the matter is that there is a truth out there. And we need to be able to embrace the truth and then put our life in the context of that. And, and I think that's extremely important for us to be able to do, because when we do that, we're okay then. When we put it in the context of what's really there, it's our expectations that really put us down. We, throughout the Bible, God tells us very clearly that the world in which you and I live is a war zone. Hmm. It's a war zone between God and Satan. So if I am living in this life right now, as if that doesn't really happen, as if it's not really a war zone, if I am trying to be comfortable in the war zone, if I'm trying to, to go out for ice cream while bombs are going off, and I'm trying to, to build this beautiful life in a place that is totally being bombed out, see, I'm going to have some really rough moments because my expectation mm-hmm. is all wrong, and because my expectation is wrong, my actions are wrong. Yep. And, and what I would love to do the, the rest of this program, Jeff, is just talk about these these expectations, going to the Bible and talk about uh, real people that, that struggled with the same thing and see if we can't help our listeners understand what they have to do to at least in a very um, tough and strange world, uh, get to the point where they can be beyond conquerors and they can be somebody who enjoys the joy of the spirit and really has genuine joy and happiness in their life, regardless of the circumstances.
All right, tonight on the show, I would love to hear your thoughts of what you think the world is going to be like in the next 20 years, the next 40 years, maybe the next 50 years. Email us on the show, hope at hopenet360.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that question. And we're going to take a quick break here on the show. We'll be back with more on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting, stressed out, need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at hopenet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff and DW with you tonight. It seems like every week we, we talk about something that's keeping us from being happy or finding that significance and security in life, things that just make us comfortable. You know, because our humanity, what we're looking for in this life, a lot of times is I just want to be comfortable. I don't want problems to rise up in my life. I don't want difficulties in my life. I just want to be happy. I just want life to be really easy. And when it's not easy, I just want to cry. I want to curl up in a ball and, and not do anything. I, am yeah. I just crazy, or is this is this a commonality in our culture? No, you know what? We want everything to revolve around us. We do. We want to be God. See, that's that's the definition of God, having everything revolve around you, because everything does revolve around God. So we want that, and that's what Satan wanted. And, and we're miserable. Here's what I don't understand. You know, I love dark chocolate. So when I go grab a hunk of dark chocolate and, and put it in my mouth, I go, oh, man. But when it's gone, you know what I'm thinking? I need more. I want more dark chocolate. <laughs> yes. I, want, I want more. And, and I'm thinking, why can't that feeling just stay in my mouth? Yeah. And I mean, that's what I want. But then I got to swallow it. You just want eternal like, dark chocolate. I want that. I want it again and again and again. And I'm thinking, I am never satisfied yep. with dark chocolate that I have. I'm never satisfied. So I think that is like a little microcosm of what goes on in life. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I, I want to I feel good right now. So we feel good right now. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Well, I want to feel good right now again. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> and, and really, I think God used an illustration in the Bible when he talked about Esau. And remember, those that might know that story, uh, Esau was a, a Jewish man who had a twin brother, and he was the one that was supposed to get the birthright. And back then, that was very important. And he sold it to his brother for a bowl of oatmeal about. And, you know, it was it was one of those moments where he just thought, I got to be happy right now. I am so hungry. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I'm going to, I need that oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And, and he just ate it, and he gave up his future for it. And all through the Bible, God said, there's a fool right there. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? There's a fool. Yep. And, and I think that in many cases he could have looked at me and said that with my dark chocolate or, or anything else. You know, anyone that's sitting out there right now thinking, if I just had this, life would go better. You know what? You might just get it and find out that it's not going better and then you're going to be depressed because you're putting your hope in the wrong area. It's not going to be, yes, I would like this infusion of drip, drip, hot, you know, dark chocolate in my mouth all day, but it's not going to happen. And after a while, I think I'd get tired of it. And, and we need to understand that. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things that, that really rob us of the joy that God wants us to have. And, and God does want you to have joy. If you are one that's listening, your life is one that you're, you're really not satisfied with life. You're angry most of the time. You're, you're looking for that dark chocolate moment all the time because you can't seem to be happy or joyful. That's not how God made it. So there's something that's not working right. Yeah. And I would encourage you um, to get a conversation going with someone who does get it. And you can do that at HopeNet360.com. There are live coaches waiting there you know, to talk to you. And, and, and I would encourage you to do that even more. I'd encourage you to find someone that loves God at your church and, and someone older and talk to them. Because I'm telling you, God made you to be one no matter what the circumstances. He made you to enjoy his presence enjoy the things he has for you and actually be joyful in life. And and I really mean that no matter what the circumstances, he invites you to do that. If you are one who's a Christian, I invite you to go to the book of Philippians, read it through cover to cover a couple, couple times and understand Paul's in jail. Do you realize he's in jail waiting to have an audience with Nero? And if you know anything about emperors, oh my goodness. And, and eventually this guy takes Paul's head off. And, and the book of Philippians is, is one you want to go look at and see. He writes about being joyful. And, and, and we want to understand what that means. God tells us that you can be joyful no matter what 
the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's interesting, Jeff. How do you think people could turn that? Do you think someone could mess up on what I just said there? There's always ways that we can mess those things up. You know, I just think about our culture today and our world today, and, and I shared this a little bit before, how I thought as we were growing up, as I was growing up as a kid, I thought that like all the things that we were working towards in our society and our culture were trying to make this world a happier place where there wasn't, you know, there wasn't necessarily pain or there wasn't evil, you know, people who do these things. And I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show of some of the headlines that we're seeing in the news today. It's just staggering the, the news stories that you read about things that young people are doing in this in this world. And you're like, how is this ever a sign of this becoming a happier place? We have Facebook. I mean, we can be connected to anybody we want to at any time. You know, I could follow the most popular celebrity. I don't know if that's Justin Bieber or whoever it is, but I could follow all these different celebrities on Twitter and see what they're thinking and saying. And I could be connected to literally anybody. I could have just about anything that I want to. You know, I, I may not be able to have a Bugatti someday, but at least I could be, I could have a car. You know, I could, you know, I have a computer. So there's, there are ways that I would think in my world, I should be happy. I mean, there are so many things yeah. that I could be happy for. And yet happiness I don't know. I, I just think there's got to be more to this happiness thing. And there are things that I think, Dave, that get in the way of us being happy. Oh, there's so tremendous. One of them is just the mental block that I just talked of, the, the expectation that people have and, and how they mess up what I just said. In other words, I, I tell you, you can be happy no matter what the circumstance. They go, yeah, you know, I'm going to go get drunk and do this and do that. And mm. no matter what the circumstance, I could be happy. No, that's not what I said. You know, what I said was no matter what the circumstances of life that that happen in general that you can't control, Mm -hmm. you can be okay with because you do know who's in control. I would like to say that most people today that struggle with happiness, they struggle with it because they do not get the big picture. They do not get it. They don't get who God is. They think that God is either a sugar daddy or or, or somebody who sits in a, a celestial spot with his arms folded waiting to punish him. In other words, they don't know God. And most people who are unhappy today, I honestly believe that's the number one foundational problem. They just don't know God. And and what you need to do is go and, and spend time with God in order to know him. And I guarantee you, once you really know him, the idea of fulfillment and significance and security and happiness begins to change because of what you understand about life and how it was created. And so that's number one. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of others, Jeff, in, in there. I mean, it's hard to live in America and be content with things because we live in a society that's, that seems to be built around envy. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you're watching a program and somebody is, has something you don't have, a car, a, a pizza, you know, whatever it might be, and, and you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so now you want that. And, and so if you're going to live in a society that's built about, uh, around envy, there's no way, or covetousness if you want to call it, yeah. uh, there's no way to be okay ever. Because somebody is always going to be telling you what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what you're going to be focusing on. And, and the only way to really help there is to begin to understand that that's a ploy, that that's what we do as a culture, but it's not good. Yeah. You know, I think another thing that's real interesting is that we have too much time on our hands. I know in our <laughs> culture, no one's going to believe that. Yeah. But really, if you spend hours a day in media, you spend hours a day. That's a choice you're making. Yes. I know so many young people right now that, that don't even want to own a home. Hmm. And the reason they don't want to own a home is because they don't want to have the burden of having to maintain the home and cut the grass and do that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, what do you do then with all your time? You know, if you're going to be sitting around and, and, and you're not made to just sit around, you're really not. Mm-hmm. And, but if you're going to be sitting around, then you've got to figure out what to do. So you start focusing on what you don't have. You start focusing on entertainment. You start focusing on amusement. You start focusing on feeling good, whatever it might be. You know, when I have plenty to do because I'm a homeowner. You know, I, I need to cut the grass and paint this and do that. And this just fell apart. And, and, and I'm not saying that, that you need to um, go out and buy a house. But what I am saying is that very possibly... We don't have the things in life that, that are burdening us like they should so that we go out and we actually give our lives to something. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker. In other words, he, he didn't even take money for what he did. He went out and made tents, and then he went out uh, purposely to go teach people about God. And, and boy, I'm telling you, he was doing something. He's one of the most joyful people I ever saw. Yeah, and I'm also wondering, too, what do you guys think keeps us from happiness? Share that at hope at hopenet360.com or on Facebook or Twitter. What keeps you from being happy in this life? 
And uh, I know you've got that song happy rolling through your head. So we're going to take a break and listen to some music. We'll be back with our conversation here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show, the show where conversations save lives. It's HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW, your hosts tonight. You can join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter at HopeNet360. We're hanging out there, and we'd love to hear your comments and your thoughts on happiness. Why do we struggle with happiness? Why is it so hard to find or to keep when we do find it? And uh, you can also share your thoughts at hope at hopenet360.com. Happiness, there's this song that's very popular today called Happy, and uh, I don't know that we play this song, but it, I'm sure you know exactly the song I'm talking about, Dave. Have you heard the Happy song? I probably have not. Okay, because, I'm going to have to play it for you next bracket, time. Because, you know, my age bracket, we pretty much listen to oboes and stuff. I don't, I don't know. No, I'm All kidding. right, well. I, I, but I haven't heard it. I'll send you a tape. Thanks. It'll make me happy. I, yeah, I will. I, it will make you happy. I can, I can almost guarantee you that. I don't right. know. But I anyway. I'm almost tapping my foot already. <laughs> don't get too excited. All right. I won't. All right. So anyway, things that keep us from being happy. And we talked about one of the things being envy, how we spend so much time concerned about what other people have in life. And Dave, I think one of the best ways to beat that, if you've ever wondered, how do I get past this? I keep, I keep, you know, wishing that I had what people have. If I look at what my friends have, you know, they have the Xbox or they have the new PlayStation console or they have the new, you know, maybe they got a new car for their birthday or graduation present. And I just have this measly little iPod touch, you know, that just plays music or has a ton of apps. And it's got a 30 uh, gig real drive on it. You know I mean? Yeah. I, I just wish I had this. And Envy is one of those things that we struggle with. It is one of those, I, you know, when you look at it, one of those mortal sins where, you know, God specifically said, don't be jealous. But it, it's hard to not be jealous in our culture, especially in America, where it's like you have everything. And if you don't have it, man, you're really, you're really missing out. And uh, the one thing I think that beats that is to have an attitude of thankfulness. Uh, I think just being thankful in general is one of those things that it, it just totally breaks down the wall of, of trying to manufacture happiness. Is, isn't that hard to do, though? I mean, really? When, when somebody gets like somebody gets something just given to them or, or they get, you know, break their way and they come and tell you about it. Are you genuinely happy for them? It depends. I mean, sometimes personally, I am happy for people when they get blessings because I I've recognized in my life where I've been blessed. I've okay. thought about those things. I've considered what in my life I can be happy for and things like my wife, my parents, you know, my family, extended family. I mean, there's there's so, everybody looks at their family and some people are like, "Man, my family's messed up." Yeah. But seriously, there there are a lot of things in life that sometimes we just think that it's so messed up and so dysfunctional and yeah, I don't love them, but one day you're going to look back and you're going to think, "I'm really thankful for those things." So there are ways yeah. To be thankful. It, it does take some maturity, though, to be thankful because most times an immature person really just looks at what they don't have and they continue to chase after those things time after time. And until they get them, they're, they're jealous of their friends. They're trying to maybe steal stuff from people. And that's really where you get caught up in that whole mindset of it's all about me. It's all about what I want. I think you have to be very careful, too, because really what people portray on the outside is often seldom what's really happening. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like the advertisements on television. They would advertise, let's say, during a football game, they're advertising some kind of beer or something. Yep. You know what they don't show you? is some guy puking from being drunk and, and that kind of stuff. That's exactly. what they don't show you. What they do show you is the other side of it. And, and, and if there is another side of it, they show it to you. you know, they, they, or they'll show you a ham, you know. But they don't show you a guy that eats too much ham. You know what I mean? I mean, he's not pleasant to look at. Mm-hmm. So they show you this person in, in great shape eating this huge ham, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah. a lot of times what happens is there's this portrayal of something that's not true, and we buy it. Yes, we do. So, you know, you're looking at somebody's marriage, and you're going, oh, man, my wife or my husband, they're like this, that wife, that husband, wow. And what you don't realize is that's a surface thing that you're seeing. Oh, yeah. You know, behind the closed doors, you don't actually know what's going on. I, I think that's one of the issues you really have to deal with. Satan's really good at uh, masking things and making the surface look pretty good. Yep. So uh, I, I think you have to watch that. When I started ministry many years ago, we started, we didn't have anything. We didn't have money. We didn't have people coming up here. And I remember going to conferences of other Christian camps 
So here I am, a Christian leader in a Christian camp, going to other Christian camps and being envious of them. I was miserable because of it. Miserable. Because hmm. I, I come back from there, I go, man, they have so much this, they have that, they have this, they have that. We don't have anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're building a new building. They got a bunch of rich people that go there to give money. We got nobody. We don't know anyone rich. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, Jeff, just struggling with the idea of, you know, poor me. And it yeah. all came from looking at what others had. It didn't come from looking at what we had. You know, I seem to have forgotten that we had 67 acres on a lake. We're in the middle of a national forest. We're a mile from the Wolf River. I seem to have forgotten that we had, you know, 25 horses and, and all. You know, I seem to have forgotten all that. Mm -hmm. I, and, and I began to look at what we didn't have, and I was a miserable man. You know, our listeners need to understand, if you're miserable today, misery is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something because of seeing things correctly. It's actually seeing things incorrectly. And the fruit of seeing things incorrectly is misery. And, and, and I, I would just use that as a key to try and get a conversation started and getting going in the right direction. Yeah. And, I, and again, would invite you to go to hopenet360.com and talk to a, a live coach there if you, if you can't find somebody else, but you need to get it going. Otherwise, you're going to stay miserable and you'll even justify why you're miserable and you'll begin to even believe it's a fruit of the Spirit, which it's not. But you begin to believe that, oh, well, I can't do anything about it. But you can. And it's so easy to get caught up in those things. The other thing you brought up, Dave, is we, we have so much time. And some of us, I, I think, would argue with you and, and probably me too and say, well, no, I'm doing so many things. I, I'm just – I'm involved in so many different ways. Maybe I'm doing a play this summer. I'm on a sports team or I'm working you know, a full day. So I, you know, I'm always out. And so when I do finally get home, it's like I just have enough time just to eat and, and go to sleep kind of a thing. They're just really busy doing things. But yeah. one of the things that keeps people from being happy, though, Dave, is this not doing enough right. and not doing things maybe more with intentionality. We've talked about that on the show before yeah. in previous episodes where we're doing maybe a lot of things. But there are also some people who just aren't doing anything. And the reality is they're in the same boat. They're not doing things intentionally, maybe just friends and going aimlessly to the pool every single day and that's your fun thing, flirting with the guys or flirting with the girls kind of thing. And, yeah. and so that becomes what your summer is all about. And you let all that time just kind of go and, and you find yourself miserable because you really find you're not really doing anything. You sit in front of a TV and you play video games all day. You're really yeah. not doing anything. It's, you're just existing. I love working with young people and work with a lot of businessmen and that kind of thing. I love it when they come and say, I don't have enough time. As soon as they do, I pull out a calculator and I go through something with them. And I have yet to find somebody <laughs> who didn't have plenty of time. <laughs> I would challenge you. I think that's one of the lies that keeps you miserable. Um, we all have the same amount of time, 24 hours a day. We all have that. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're going to spend some of it, uh, I'm just going to say one line and we can move on to something else. But unplanned time will always go to your weakness. And, and if your weakness is sitting around eating, watching video games or whatever, that's what you're going to go to. And then you're thinking you're really busy. You're really not. You're just captured by video games. On top of that, there are other things that do keep us from finding happiness. And uh, we're going to post the rest of this article on our website, HopeNet360.com. But this letting too many problems build up, one of the things that we're so – especially if you're like me and you don't like conflict – you don't like to handle conflict or you don't know how to handle it. So what you do is instead of resolving the problems that are going on, you just kind of let them build up. Yep. And eventually you get to the point where it's like a volcano and you're just ready to explode. And we let too many problems go on in life and we just don't address them. We don't, we don't acknowledge they exist. We just kind of suppress them and we try to forget about them. And they just don't go away on their own. Again, the intentionality thing is a big part of it. Why do we ignore them, Jeff? I mean, why do you ignore problems? Well, because if you're like me and you're a perfectionist and you, you don't want to disappoint people or let them down. And so when you have to go and address an issue, if you have a problem with somebody and you go and do that, you feel like, oh, our relationship's going to be different. You know, they're not going to like me. So you just let that go and you just kind of let it build up and you don't really want to confront it or you don't want to, you don't want to create conflict yeah. because you, you just think, oh, I'm just going to get over it. It's going to pass. It'll, it'll be okay. Yeah, like real quick story. I heard a pastor in our area just say the other day about he gave a message on opportunities instead of problems. And we worked at a restaurant. They couldn't call them problems. People, you know, food wasn't cooked right. It's too cold in there, whatever. But they had to go to the manager and say, I have an opportunity at table 26. 
And, and what's really interesting there is that they didn't allow them to ignore the problem, but they wanted them to turn it into, look, we have a way to do something to, to fix a problem. And that's how they looked at it. And I thought, hey, brilliant, very good. And it's very biblical. If we had time to go into that, it's a very good way to do it. Let's touch on it when we come back here on the show. Remember, you can always connect with a live coach if you've got something going on in your life. And if you haven't been feeling happy for a long time and you've not talked to somebody about what's going on inside, chat with a live coach tonight at HopeNet360.com. We'll take a break here on the show. We'll be back with more in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. The HopeNet360 Scramble for Hope is Friday, June 27th at Sherwood Forest Golf Club, sponsored by Colossal Toyota Scion of Appleton and Q90FM. The event will help save local lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. You could win a hole-in-one prize of $20,000. And Green Bay Packer Jarrett Bush will be our celebrity golfer and other surprises. Go to HopeNet360.com slash golf. That's HopeNet360.com slash golf. See you on the green June 27th for Scramble for Hope, benefiting the outreach of HopeNet360. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Glad that you've joined us tonight on the show. If you missed the first half, don't worry. We post every single show at HopeNet360.com. And you can also go and subscribe on iTunes. Those that do, thank you guys so much for being part of our HopeNet and uh, just subscribing, being a part of our online community, social media, that sort of thing. You guys helping us spread the word and sharing the show with your friends. It helps us to reach more people with hope. And hope is one of those things that every single person is looking for. A hope that's not just of this world, maybe a hope in things that this world has, but hope in something that's going to anchor them through difficult times. And there are so many people, and, and especially in Northeast Wisconsin, we have a lot of things, a lot of a lot of really negative things in our world that we can focus on and consider. And a few weeks back, you know, we, we heard this story about these two 12-year-old girls who did something horrendous to a friend of theirs, someone that uh, they had a trust, a relationship with, and, and now that's broken. And it's such a – it's a very sad situation. We're not going to go into detail with it. And most chances are you've heard about this story and know exactly what I'm talking about. But there are so many things in our world today that we just look at as – Man, how how in the world are we moving to a happier world? There are many people who think with more technology, with the medical advancements in our world, with uh, all of the things you know that we could fill our lives with, in some way, this is what's going to make us happier. One day, we're going to live in a happier world. And growing up, I shared how I felt like in, in the next 20 years or maybe the next 30 years as we get older, as we continue to progress with those things, technology, with medicine, with education – that we're going to get to a happier place. And David, it just doesn't seem like our world is moving to a happier place. Uh, in a lot of ways, it just seems like we're moving toward a more dysfunctional, broken, and destructive society when, it, when we look at it from a humanistic perspective. Yeah. Satan dangles a carrot in front of us donkeys, and he's got it on a stick, and, and we keep walking towards the carrot, and we can never get the carrot. But we keep looking at the carrot, thinking, one day... I'm going to enjoy that carrot. And we keep walking towards it. And, and, and I think despair comes and hopelessness comes when you finally realize, I'm never going to get that carrot. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to get it. And, and now you're just a wreck because of that. And, and you start lashing out. And, and before you know it, uh, your feelings, you, you, know, you actually become hostage to your feelings, I think, in some respects. Hmm. I mean, your feelings begin to control you totally, not your mind anymore. But your feelings do. If they've listened to HopeNet before, uh, they've heard us describe that that the way Satan works, the way evil works, it takes it it works from your body to take over your mind. In other words, your feelings and your it it works that way to take over your mind. Where God works through your mind to control your body, and and really in our culture, I think we're we're hostage to our feelings so much that that they control what we do and say. And I'm I'm looking at that carrot. And I'm walking towards it. I'm optimistic. I'm going to get it. But I'm telling you, if I don't get it year after year after year after year, there comes a time where I say, I hate that carrot. Yeah. And, I, and I hate my life. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't want to be here anymore. You know, and, and I think that's a very troubling spot, obviously. And I'm telling you, anyone tonight that feels that way, like I just cannot seem to grasp this happiness thing, 
go back to the foundation. I really don't think you understand who God is. I don't, I don't think you understand how he made the world. I don't think you understand how important you are to him, how he loves you and wants to be with you and wants to guide you. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know that. And, and I encourage you uh, to go to hopenet360.com and, and talk to a live coach there or email us and talk to us. We would love to talk you through that. Yep. But uh, I think, uh, Jeff, that a, a lot of feelings are stopping us from understanding what happiness is. Especially, you know, I've talked before, and and maybe it's been a while, a lot of times we think we define being happy by saying there's an absence of sadness. When in reality, sadness and happiness, they actually coexist. Uh, You can actually have them both at the same time. And and I know that's hard to understand, but very quickly I'll just say when I I went to my dad's funeral— and uh, my dad, it was the one person in this world I just didn't never want to see him depart. Hmm. And um, when I went to his funeral, I remember standing at his casket. And I didn't want to go in. My older brother forced me in because I was being a child. And I am a younger brother, so I have that right. And I, and I, I was just, you know, I didn't want to see my dad in a casket. But I went in, and finally I looked at my dad in this casket. And I'm telling you, Jeff, honestly, at that moment, I had the greatest sorrow that I've ever experienced in my life and the greatest joy that I ever experienced in my life all at the same time. And I realized something standing at that casket. I have misdefined it. I've always thought that happiness was the absence of sorrow. And at that moment, I was totally sorrowful and totally joyful. And and I tell you, I was sorrowful because... My dad died, and, and anyone can understand that, so I don't need to go into it. But, but I was joyful because it was obvious he wasn't there. It was obvious that he loved God. It was obvious that God met me at that casket and, and talked in my heart and in a still quiet voice about what was right and good. And You know, I knew that my dad would die. I knew that my mom was going to die. I know that I'm going to die. I mean, those aren't things that I don't know about. And it, so it was this moment where I understood this one truth. And, and if there's a, a constant that comes in the counseling that I do with young people, it's the misdefinition of happiness because of the fact that they do say it's only available if I get rid of pain. And, and that's why some people actually um, get drunk and um, are sex addicts and other things because what they're doing for those moments is eliminating the pain for those moments, yep. thinking that the definition of happiness is that. Finding happiness is, is difficult when you try to find it in this world. I think there's a different sense of it. And Dave, I want to I hear your thoughts on this passage. In the last couple of weeks, I've really been stuck in this book of 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. So if you have a Bible or you get the Bible app, uh, you could all pull it up and follow along. But 1 Kings 19 is uh, is the moment where Elijah got to the end of his happiness, where um, he got some bad news. He really got bad news. Someone was going to come and kill him. And so he ended up running away with his servant, left his servant in a, in a different place. He went and hid in a cave in 1 Kings 19, uh, starting at verse 5. He lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some cake baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Now, this is from the English Standard Version, so uh, this word cake means manna, but I just thought it was interesting that this angel brought him cake. You know, because how many of us, cake just makes things better, at least it would for me anyway. Uh, But I, I digress. The angel came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the Mount of God. So uh, just interesting story. God brings cake. And this is manna, but the word that the English Standard Version used was cake. And I I laughed reading that because I'm like, cake just makes things better, ultimately. But not only that, but God took this thing, this bread, and he lasted it 40 days and 40 nights while Elijah went and I'm just, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are when we just, we're opening up this passage, again, 1 Kings 19. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts in this story? You know, it's very interesting, obviously. Elijah was a great man of God, and it's not like great men of God, people who know God don't struggle with this happiness thing and this depression thing. We do. Yeah. And, And a lot of it, again, has to do with expectations. If you look at Elijah, he's pretty much putting himself in a position where um, the rejection of his message the rejection of what he was doing um, was a rejection of himself. And, and he started to feel really badly about that. It really wasn't. It was a rejection of God. And, and yet 
Elijah cared deeply on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting how many times I teach and I pour my heart out to students. I will teach and I'll beg them. And, and after class, they, you know, half of them go do something exactly opposite of what I just said. <laughs> and, and I go home and I, and I do this even with my wife. I'll say, I am the most worthless teacher that ever walked the planet. Hmm. And I mean, I, I poured my heart out. I tried to get them to understand something and they did not listen. So, you know, I've been where Elijah is and I think every listener has. You know, I've tried to do what is right. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting there? I, my perspective is wrong. Yep. I, 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 I have tried to do this. I have tried to do this. I want a better expectation. I, I expect people to listen. I expect to be significant in their lives and make a change. <laughs> and God's going, you know what? It's me that's trying to do that. And I'm using you to do that. Uh, the other thing I've seen there, Jeff, is, is that God is very concerned about uh, the physical well-being of Elijah. And I yeah. appreciate that. Uh, there are people today that cannot think right, I think, because they're really not eating right. They're not sleeping right. They're not doing what they need to do. I think in this particular case, I so appreciate God meeting Elijah as this human, working on his food, working on his sleep, getting his strength up. And I know he's going to use that in a very miraculous way, but, but he was concerned about that. And for some young people, before I even talk to him, I'll tell them, you know what? We need to improve some habits because I don't think your mind is working like it should right now. Yep. And I don't think Elijah's mind was working like it should right then. Mm-hmm. I think he actually needed to, uh, to have God intervene and help him physically so that he can begin to, to uh, really use his mind the way it should be. All right, we're going to take a break here on the show. Chat with a live coach if you need to right now at HopeNet360.com. We'll be back with more on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio, talking about Elijah in 1 Kings 19. So if you've got your Bible, make sure you do that. Connect with us anytime on the show. Hope at HopeNet360.com. Dave, we're talking about this guy, Elijah, and forgot to mention before we went into the break that this guy, Elijah, is coming off in this chapter. He's coming off a big victory in his life of where he had a big contest on Mount Carmel and essentially just blew up everybody else's religious gods that they were worshiping, these, these gods of Baal and uh, the Baal worshipers on this mountain. Huge victory, a huge moment where he was proven right and the rest of these guys were just totally shown up. And uh, and he got home, and he was feeling down and discouraged. He got some bad news when he got home. And all of a sudden, he was like, I got to run away. He ran away to a, to a cave. And, and next thing you know, he's getting this angel, bringing him cake. This is so usual. Um, it's not unusual. It, what's very interesting here, it's, it's kind of like, remember Jonah when he went and he, and he finally listened to God? And there was this, this great repentance of the city of Nineveh. And God didn't destroy the city. And, and what did Jonah go out and do? He, he got totally depressed and went and sat down and moped. Yeah. And, and you look at that and you go, huh? <laughs> look, you ought to be, you know, doing the Swedish jig or something here. I mean, this, this is something that should be fun for you. Elijah, he just took on like the whole world of Baal prophets who were all wrong. He took on the most powerful king of the day, took on a queen. I mean, he took them on and won. Yeah. He, he ought to be thrilled at this point. Uh, being an old athlete, I realized this, that people in their life, they, they work really hard towards like a Super Bowl or they, they work really hard towards whatever the trophy is they want, the, the acknowledgement. And, and, you know, when they get there, it seems like after that point, they struggle. Yeah. And, and you have to ask yourself why. Like, here's what I've learned in life. You and I are emotional creatures. We, mm-hmm. we just are. Everybody listening is an emotional creature. Now, I know I'm Swedish, so it seems like we have less emotion, but it's in there. We just don't bring it out that much. And, and what's interesting is I learned from growing up with a, a dad that's a pastor, my brother's a pastor, from people who go through cycles. By that, I mean on Sundays, they're speaking to hundreds of people. They're pouring their hearts out. They're, they're taking care of problems. They're stopping people from all kinds of injury. They're helping people. They're constantly doing something that, that causes their adrenaline to flow. Mm-hmm. And then Monday comes, and there's nobody around. What happens is their emotions peak on Sunday. And on Monday, as high as the emotion peaked, it goes down. And, and on Monday is a day where many pastors can get into big trouble. 
because it's that day. Their guard isn't up. They're sleeping longer than they should. They're moaning about how hard they work and nobody's listening, that kind of thing. And it's then when they're going to struggle with their pornography. They're going to struggle with their attitude. They're going to give their wife and their kids a bad day because they're crabby, that kind of thing. In fact, pastors I often counsel will say, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them, don't give your family that day. Go back to work. You know, give your family a, a day where, where you haven't had this peak and valley thing going. The other thing for me, my, my wife just knows, you know, I'll go speak at a conference or write a book or do something. And I'm all psyched up about, you know, what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden the next day comes and I don't have any speaking to do that day. I don't have any radio to do that day. And, and my wife will look at me and go, this is your down day. And, and I get the message from her right away. It's like, I know you were really high up to this point emotionally, which means you're going to go really low today. I'm watching you. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. Yeah. And, and that's been very helpful, by the way, to understand that the cycle exists. And, and that's why it's so important that conversations save lives. Do you think that what my wife tells me just helps me or hinders me? No, it helps me. Yeah. You know why? Because there's a conversation started. Not only that, I understand this is how it really works. If I am going to get really excited, uh, like we might have some Green Bay Packers listening to us, you know, they can get really excited about a game on Sunday or whatever it might be. I'm warning you, the next day is going to be tough because you're going to go down as high as you went up. Yeah. And if you stay up for a whole season, then you're going to really struggle after the season. You know, and, and that's the way we are. And, and we need to make provision for those days that we start to go down a little bit. My provision is that my wife knows about it. We talk about it. And you know what? I pull out of it then. And I, and I get back to my normal yeah. at, at a quicker pace because somebody is talking to me about it and knows that it exists. And by the way, I'm not weird. It's not bad. I'm not a sinful person doing that. I mean, I, I am a sinful person, but not just because of that. And, um, and I hope that makes sense, Jeff, because that's something that could really help somebody out there to deal with the way it really is mm -hmm. rather than a fantasy world and, and pretending that everything's got to be really on high all the time. And that's why I also don't like if I go places and they're just talking about, you know what, you just need to be um, giddy and happy. All the, You're not giddy and happy all the time. Mm -hmm. You're not. And to pretend that something's wrong when you're not that way is is wrong as well, and you'll be a victim then of your feelings in many ways. Yeah. Elijah is a great story about that, and so is Jonah. You can go check those out at First Kings eighteen that we're in, uh, 19. Or in nineteen, or you can go over to uh, to the book of Jonah and read it through. It's not a long book, and you'll see what I'm talking about. That is really an interesting thing to make note of. And so maybe you're somebody who's a business person. It doesn't have to be a pastoral role. It can be you give a big presentation, and the next day it's like you just come off that high, and you're you're at that point where you're like kind of get into this low. And this is exactly where Elijah was. Now, it's interesting in, in following after that point where he gets to this Mount Sinai and he comes to a cave where he spent the night and God shows up again. And he says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is verse 10. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. That's what's going on in Elijah's world. He's like, they're trying to kill me. He's like, what? What has this been worth? You know, I've just done this this great thing. You showed up and, and did this great and amazing thing on this mountain, and then I come back home and I get this bad news, and now I got to run for my life. Like, what's this whole thing for? So he's in a down place. He's not even at home. He's not in a place where he can think clearly. His safe place has now been taken. And we talked about ethos a few weeks ago. Your safe place. Where is your safe right. place? And usually that's in the comfort of your home. So Elijah is now out, and so God does this crazy feat of showing him his strength. And so God tells Elijah, he says, go and stand before me on the mountain. And Elijah went out there, he stood there, and the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit this mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And there God shows up again in a voice. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied again, the same answer. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. He's thinking, okay, God, I see you. I mean, you showed up. 
And these are significant in the ways this is where God showed up in past in, in the Old Testament. He showed up in a windstorm. He'd show up in an earthquake. He'd show up in a fire. And so this was an obvious sign to Elijah that, hey, God's presence is here. And yet he responds the same way. God, my life is miserable. You you know, what am I, what am I doing? I'm running now because someone's going to kill me. And I've been serving you for so long. I've been doing exactly what you've told me to do. And now I've got to run for my life. What am I doing with myself? Why don't you just take me from this world? Elijah was at the end of his point, and he, he was feeling so hopeless. And we get to those moments in our life. And I think, Dave, in looking at this story, I think God was just saying, Elijah, what do you want me to do? Do you want me just to like blow all your problems away? Do you want me to send an earthquake and shake up their world a little bit and, and send them into chaos so that your problems are, are gone for a time or just dissipated? Do you want me to send fire and burn everything up and consume everything? What do you want me to do? Or do you just want me to speak to you? Do you just want me to just be with you? It's not just in the Bible. It's like it's meant for today, and it's meant exactly for you. Very much so. I mean, and Elijah, I, I think he was telling to Eli- saying to Elijah, look, I, I, I have the power to deal with this. <laughs> it's not an issue. It's not an issue. Quit making it an issue. I can deal with it. Yeah. Here's what I'm doing, though. I'm using you. I want you to be thankful. I'm using you. I chose to use you. When God chooses to use us, you know, we look at results. What he does, here's the result. I need to walk intimately with him and love him. That's all I need to do. He'll take care of the results. And not only that, Elijah didn't have his head screwed on. He didn't see things clearly because mm-hmm. later God had to tell him, by the way, there's 7,000 others who haven't done, who haven't bowed to Baal. <laughs> it's like, who are you thinking you're the only one? Really, Elijah? Get your head screwed on. <laughs> you know, th- this isn't the way it is. You're living in a fantasy world, pal. Get into the real world when you're in the real world. I'm the real God. I'll take care of it and I'll get back to work. You know, and that's exactly, that might be something that you need to hear tonight, that maybe you felt like you're in those moments where you're the last Mohican, you're the last one left, and they're coming after you next. And I just want to encourage you, let God speak to you tonight in that if you need to chat right now, there's a live coach standing by at HopeNet360.com that would love to talk to you about what's going on inside, the stress maybe you're feeling, and to just listen and give you some encouragement along the way. We do podcast every single show, so make sure to go and connect with us on HopeNet360.com. That's our website. You can also subscribe on iTunes as well later on. We'll be back with more on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Jeff and DW wrapping things up tonight. We're going to make this part one of two, and we could continue on for so long. So we're going to take next week and continue this conversation about happiness because everybody in life is looking for happiness. We're looking for things in this world. A lot of times we get hung up on what's in this world that's going to make us happy talked about the story of Elijah after a really big feat. And some of you guys, some of you who are leaders out there who uh, maybe you run your own business or you work in a in an office firm or something, you do these big presentations and the next day you come off that high and you get to this really low, low. And that's exactly what Elijah was going through in this moment. Except when he got home, he got really bad news that someone was going to come and kill him. And so he just ran away and he's like, I'm just, he wasn't in the right frame of mind for sure. But God spoke to him in those moments where he's like, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like he was thinking, aren't you supposed to be somewhere else? I mean, this doesn't seem like where you're supposed to be. And realize this, hope has to be what's going to sustain you through those dark moments where you don't feel like life is worth going on anymore. Elijah was like, God, just take me from this world. God is the author of life and finisher of life. And I really want to encourage you, those who are listening tonight, if you're feeling like life is just hopeless and you just wish you weren't here anymore, you can't stand the thought of being here anymore, you really need to reach out and to get some help. It's okay to ask for help in those moments because sometimes those are the moments that really do change our life and change our course for the better. And I just want to encourage you, there is hope. There's a live coach you can go and talk to if you're feeling like, I don't know what else to do. Chat with the live coach right now at HopeNet360.com. Yeah, you know, I want to encourage our listeners, too, to understand that a lot of times it's about 10, 15 minutes that causes some um, terrible, terrible problems in life for ourselves and others. In other words, we don't respond to the truth like we've been talking about. We actually are people who are believing the lies. We don't understand you know, we're letting envy get us, and, and, and we, we basically are, are in this lonely world. We're not doing enough and, and, and that kind of thing. And before you know it, 
it's like in this 15 minute period, we, we, maybe we went and tried to drown our sorrows in alcohol or something else. We make some really lousy decisions in a very short period of time. And those lousy decisions are sometimes irrevocable in, in some respects. And so, um, we do encourage you, please, if you're in a position where you're just not uh, feeling right about life, I go back to my basic understanding. You just don't really understand God and you don't understand his love for you. And we're asking you to give us that opportunity to explain the love of God to you or to go to hopenet360.com and talk to a live coach and let them do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very important that you start the conversation because if you get through the 10, 15-minute period, a lot of times you begin to clear up your thinking and you can begin to get yourself back into reality. It's very important to be able to do that. And step one is always admitting that there's a problem. And especially if tonight you're feeling, you're feeling like, I'm just not happy. You know, that's, that's what we're talking about tonight. Admitting you're not happy is, that's okay. We're all human. We're all emotional beings. So we all experience these highs and these lows. And, and so we've got to admit it. If we're not happy, that's, that's okay. It's okay to not be happy. It's just not okay to continue in that mode and continue to dwell on the things that make us sad or that make us angrier that make us envious or whatever you know some of the other things that keep us from being happy we kind of started talking about this more earlier on in the show tonight we're going to continue this next week on the show a little bit more but the things that get in the way that hang up the happiness factor in our life and i think there's a distinction too between happiness and joy and we'll touch on that next week too but not only do we let problems continue to go on in our life but we also hold our feelings hostage like we don't actually share how we're feeling like our feelings our fears our dreams you know the things that are in our heart to do so to have a good friend someone that's there to talk about it is always important and the other part of it is i don't know about you guys but for us gen y kind of people we really want to do something that is significant instead of just make a paycheck. We really want to do something that we feel called to do and not necessarily what's going to pay us because we don't, we're kind of in that generation where we've seen our parents grow up and they've chased after money and the money let them down. It only created bigger problems for them. And so we've seen this generation and now it's coming into the, the point of there are many people who just chase things and now that also kind of brings into in existence more of a naive culture where we become a YouTube culture. Uh, many people that are younger than me spend a lot of time taking selfies or recording videos that are completely pointless and dumb and probably a waste of time. And I'm just going to say, and I'm probably ruffle some feathers. There are probably some YouTube guys that are out there that are going to be like, what are you talking about? Uh, YouTube is a, is a great tool out there, but it's also a big time sink, just like Facebook, just like Twitter, just like every other form of media out there. If we spend too much time on those things, uh, they just become bigger problems for us. And, and so we end up you know, focusing on things that may or may not make a huge difference later on. It is really important, though, that we do understand what our calling really is, Dave. Oh, man. And you and I spend a lot of time with young people, and we're talking with young people, and one of the questions that I often ask them is, what do you see yourself doing with your life? I mean, we've got to get past just the, the today. So what do you see for the future? Yeah, and that's extremely important because if you don't have a vision of the future, then no sacrifice today will will be meaningful to you. You, won't, you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's interesting is people are really more miserable than they should be because they, their relationships lack honest and mutual understanding. Wow. You know, you were talking earlier about people maybe not uh, talking about their feelings and that kind of thing. Maybe they feel like, boy, nobody else feels this way. Everybody else. No, they're looking at the surface. I don't know how many times when I speak and I, and I say the honest truth. You know, I'll say something like, man, I was driving in Chicago and this guy cut me off. And I'm telling you, I wanted to go 100 miles an hour, go in front of him and jam on my brakes. <laughs> and, you know, that's not a good thing. No. But you know how many men look at me and go, yeah, I've been there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I've, I've been there. And what they do is they appreciate the fact that I just said it. And, and I'm, I am not saying that, by the way, oh, that's a good thing that I do. I should lose my temper like that or whatever. No, I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. All I'm doing is, is saying, you know what? Every once in a while, I actually feel like doing something I shouldn't do. And every single man I've ever talked to shakes their head in agreement. Yeah, I know that. You know, it's like finally somebody let the cat out of the bag. No, that, that's an honest statement. Now, with that, we can talk about how we get to the point where we don't want to punch the guy next to us in the car. You know, I mean, we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Powell came out years ago with a, 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 you know, a communication levels. I don't know if you remember that, Jeff, or you ever studied that, but it was very interesting uh, he said, you know, most people operate at the, the simplest level of 
of conversation, uh, the cliche level. You know, mm-hmm. how you doing? It doesn't really matter. You just answer and go on. Yes. Uh, but then some move to the next level of news reporting. Mm-hmm. You know, nice day. Mosquitoes are big. Yeah, we had a bad winter. You know, like anything a news reporter can say. Some actually get to the next level, the third level, which is opinions. And they start giving their opinion about something. However, if I give my opinion to you about something, Jeff, and you make fun of it, I kick you back up to the news level. I'm not going there anymore with you. I'm, yeah. In other words, I stay shallow. Mm-hmm. Some get to the next level, which is actually their feelings level, hmm. where they're telling you how they feel about something. And really the fifth level, which is the most important, is the, the level of absolute truth and honesty. And, and that's where you have to have people in your life where you can talk to about everything you're thinking. And that's what I love about my relationship with God. I can talk to him about everything and anything. First Peter 5, 7, he says, cast your care upon me because I care for you. And, and I can talk to him about everything. I'm not surprising him. He sees me in every situation. He knows everything I've done wrong. He knows it better than I know it. And I can just unload the absolute honest truth. I can say to him, I feel crummy today. I want to beat this guy up. I feel like scum of the earth. I think, why are you using me? I'm no good. I can talk to him like that. And, and what's really interesting is he hears me. And I would encourage our listeners, you need friends in your life that are at level five. And, and what you will find is that most of your friends in your life, you're at levels one and two with. You might broach three, but you're at one and two with. And if your level, if your communication level with God is only one and two, I'm telling you, you are set up for a disaster. And I wish you uh, uh, to do something different in your life to get these relationships where they should be. Yeah. Well, tonight we're going to leave it here and we're going to pick this conversation up next week. And uh, before we go, remember, happiness isn't one of those things that comes based on our circumstances here in this world. Anytime we try to find happiness from this world and the stuff in this world, it is going to disappoint us. And when you get to that that moment where you just realize, man, things are just going the way that I need them to go or I want them to go, just surrender that. That's probably the easiest thing I can encourage you with tonight is just surrender those things and just say, God, I don't get this. I don't understand it, but I know you get it. And just take this. Take this situation. Take these circumstances. I give it to you and leave it there. And I'll just encourage you with that. See what happens when you do that. Remember, you can always connect with us at hope at hopenet360.com or on Facebook and Twitter through the week. Thank you guys for subscribing on iTunes. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast and connecting with us. We'll see you guys online and next week.